Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now? So make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Well, I'm so excited that y'all have joined us for season two of Lift. Today, we have brought in Jenny Gomez. Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am the director of the Counseling Center here at St. Andrew. I've been here for about 12 years. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor and a registered play therapist as well. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, (laughs) it's fun. I'm glad you're sharing your expertise with us today. Today's topic is one that I don't feel like a lot of people talk about until they have to, and it's divorce. So I thought we'd just... I don't know, maybe start at the very basic of if a family has decided that that's what's best for them, how do you, how do you tell your kids? That's a really good question. And I think it's one that everybody wants to do well. Um, but sometimes the best intentions don't always work out so great. And so I'm glad that you asked that. I think what's most important is to always keep the needs of the children first throughout an entire divorce process or any time a family is going through a struggle to always keep the kids' needs at the forefront because the kids are oftentimes the first to be hurt and the last to be helped, and they have the least amount of control about what's going on in their world, and they are looking to their parents for guidance, and they are looking to their parents for a sense of comfort and confidence. Mm -hmm. And so the way parents tell a kid or children that their family is going to be getting, the parents are going to be getting a divorce. Um, the kid will remember that. That will imprint in their brain in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And so it needs to be done with intention. It needs to be done um, cautiously and strategically and with guidance and always with the kids' needs first. And so the biggest, most important thing, not just in how you tell your kids initially, but how you continue to answer their questions in the days and weeks and months to come, is that this is an adult issue. And that, you know, unfortunately, sometimes moms and dads have adult issues that occur that make it where they're not going to be married anymore. Right. And that it's not the kid's fault. It's not for the kid to try to understand, um, but that it's just for um, the adults to try to work out. And the, the reason I use those words like adult issues is because it's a natural boundary line. And the inevitable thing is that a child will say, well, what issues? Well, why? Well, right. whose fault? And it's very easy then to fall back on, you know what, your number one job is to be a kid and this is an adult issue and you don't have to worry about it. It's not your job to worry about it. And and it's not appropriate for me to talk to you about it because it's an adult thing. And mom and dad, we've got it and we're going to handle the adult issues and mm-hmm. your number one job is to, to just be a kid. What about the grief that comes with that? I was, I was just thinking as... You know, each kid will have a very different personality. Mm-hmm. Each kid will have a different developmental stage. Um, how do you deal with the difference of each child? I usually recommend that parents um, always tell their kids together, um, both together as a couple and together as siblings. But then 
build in some flexibility so that they can speak to the children individually as well and provide some individual space. Because you may have a child, to your point of development, who you may have a four or five-year-old, and you may have a 12 or Mm 13-year-old, the same sibling set, and they're going to process this drastically different. And so I typically recommend to parents that they tell the kids um, at home and um, tell them together and then really don't have anything else scheduled afterwards and and kind of put it out there for the children in a unified way, not putting anybody at fault, not bringing in adult issues. The kids are reminded um, that they are loved and that mom and dad will always be their parents and, and tell them um, and then watch for their reactions. Kids typically react in ways parents didn't even expect them to. Right. Some kids will say, okay, are we done here? Can I go to my friend's house? Um, or I just want to go to my room by myself for a little while? Or what's for dinner? And you need to take their lead. They will process it the way they are able to. But by creating a space where there's really nothing else going on that afternoon or evening after, it allows parents to connect with each child where and how they need to be connected with. So if you have one child that goes to their room and wants to be alone, you honor that for 10 or 15 minutes, and then you go knock on the door and check in with them and have a one-on-one. If you have a kiddo who wants to go play video games and you sit and play video games with them, if you have a child crying, then you hold them and comfort them and reassure them and and, um, allow them to process this as as how they are going to, um, but also recognizing that their initial response is just that. Mm. And the, to your point of grief, it comes in waves. Right. And so it will manifest in different ways over time. And you could be driving down the road and have had a totally normal, everything's fine kind of day. And suddenly a child will ask you the most bizarre, random, out of the blue question. And kids are like popcorn. It kind of pops in and out yeah. at times that we least expect it to be um, an issue. And right. so it's important for parents to be consistent with their messaging amongst each other and over time so that their messaging is consistent, whether it's in that first talk or a child asking a random question, that they are prepared for kind of the party line of of what the boundary is of what we're going to share and not share and how we're going to comfort our children when it is that they're ready to talk. Right. Well, you this leads into co-parenting. So I see, um, frankly, I see a lot of families at St. Andrew doing co-parenting very well. Maybe it's because that's what I notice. Um, I look for the good in um, humanity. It's one of my faults, I think, and gifts. (laughs) Um, But I see a lot of families here at St. Andrew worshiping together, Um, even with new spouses and um, going on trips together and just connecting, in my opinion, for the sake of their child, just to keep this church home consistent. A story that Michael Agnew has shared, and I, I, I always kind of get teared up about it, but one of our students, um, you know, the Life360 app, and you mm-hmm. can mark home. Yeah. Well, a group of students marked this place home. Oh. And mainly it was a group that had been, um, that came from divorced families and parents had moved several times because sometimes in that divorce it's you have to get a rent house for a period and that kind of stuff so I think she had had like six homes houses yeah and so she marked St. Andrew home Mm. and it's I mean I do believe having a place that can be consistent for these kiddos and um in a way that I never thought church before to be that haven um but ultimately that was just a little sidebar story. So that was free. Um, 
but how how can you co-parent well because with divorce comes tension comes anger comes sadness comes numbness sometimes how how do you put the kids before your adult issues co-parenting i think is a huge gift that divorced and separated parents can give to their children um kids don't ask for adults to have fighting and tension and adult problems. They certainly don't ask for that and they can't control it. And it most definitely impacts their lives. Parents ask all the time, how is this divorce going to affect my children? Right. And I tell them that there is a direct correlation between how well the two of you can get along post-divorce with how well your child is going to do. Um, I've had parents sit in my office that I didn't realize they were divorced until about halfway through the parent intake session when they casually somehow somebody said, well, my house or your house. And then I went, wait, what? Y'all live mm. in the same house? Because they were just so cohesive and on the same page and connected for the better of their child or children. I've had others where we had to have security involved because there was protective orders and people trying to harm each other and very right. serious, scary things. Um, and kids pick up on that. And, and the two people that they love very most in the world, when those two people love each other, um, that's very comforting for a child. When those two people fall out of love, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and hate each other, that is one of the most disruptive things to a child's development that can happen. Wow. Because they base their attachments and their formation of attachment and relationship on their parents and on their family of origin. And so when parents divorce and perhaps fall out of love, but are able to maintain um, a consistent, kind, respectful relationship, then that makes conflict okay, that we can have uh -huh. conflict and we can disagree with people and our, the nature of our relationship can change, but we can still be okay. Right. And that teaches kids all kinds of life lessons. Absolutely. And that they can sit, they can be at the choir concert and look out. And instead of having to look far to the left to see one parent and far to the right to see the other parent, they can just look straight out and mom and dad are sitting next to each other. Mm -hmm. And there's the grandparents and their aunts and uncles and whoever. It's very, very comforting for children to um, have parents that can communicate. And when you don't have good co-parenting, there can be some very bad things that happen with kids psychologically. They get, we call it stuck in the middle syndrome. And they will represent themselves in different ways depending on who they're speaking to. They get caught up in their parents' conflict. They start choosing sides. They, um, it causes great amounts of anxiety and their own, you know, types of relationship issues down the way. And it happens to lots of kids. I've worked with lots and lots of them. And it's very, very sad that parents will often behave in a way that demonstrates that they hate each other more than they love their kids. Yeah. And the ability to co-parent is the ability to take – a really big, you know, step back from the adult conflict and really, really, truly put your kids' needs first and suck it up and right. swallow that pill and get forward with, you know, what do we do? How do we – we need to establish a new normal. And that's what co-parenting is. Mm -hmm. You're leaving, a, a for whatever reason, a broken marriage, and you're not trying to repair that anymore. We're now creating a new normal, and the new normal is a healthy co-parenting relationship. So – I don't disagree with anything you just said, but I had a question pop up while you were talking. If you're really healthy, right, and doing a great job co-parenting, is that confusing to the kid? Like, why couldn't you just stay married? Kids do ask that. 
Okay. A lot. Um, especially younger children. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more black and white developmentally and think, right. well, gosh, if you're nice to each other, then why can't we all be in the same house? Right. It's very – a divorce obviously is disruptive for kids. Mm-hmm. It's, mo- it's more disruptive for them on a daily basis than it is the parents. Correct. They're the ones that are having to go back and forth and pack up their stuff and deal with all of it. And um, so they want to know why. Mm-hmm. And if there was a way to avoid this – then why are we not doing it? Right. So yes, especially younger kind of school age kind of kids will say, well, why couldn't we just stay together? Older kids usually will pick up on some of the more nuance, tension and right. dynamics. And and they don't tend to ask that as much. But yes, kids will ask that. And I think the best response that I've heard parents say is, again, you know, we had some adult issues that kept us from being able to be married, but that does not change that we will always be your mom and dad and we will always love you and we will always work together to do what's best for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, and I'm not contradicting that that's the way to go. Right. But I was just thinking in my head, like, man, if you're sitting next to each other at the choir concert, why can't you eat dinner every night together? Right. But that's a great response of that. So I was wondering, you know, you've worked with a lot of families. What do families typically not think of that you that you see consistently? Like, that you work with families to make sure that they're doing the best that they can when divorce is the option that they're choosing? I think that sometimes the adults get caught up in a couple different things. One is they're caught up in the here and now. And when you're going through a divorce, say you have young kids, you're going to be dealing with each other and dealing with this situation and this schedule that you're working out together for the next many years until Mm -hmm. your youngest child is 18 years old. You will still be in a co-parenting relationship well beyond that. Right. The legal ties end, you know, once that 18th birthday and that child graduates from high school happens. But the connection is still has to be there. And so I think sometimes parents get really caught up in today and they don't see the 30,000-foot the view. Right. And I think that's really important to keep in mind of what you're doing now. How does that impact now? But how does that also set your family up for success, a two-home family, up for success moving forward? Right. And – and not doing anything that would sabotage that. The other thing that I think parents lose sight of until it happens is how hard um, holidays can be and how important it is to think about and be intentional about creating new traditions. Mm-hmm. And kids will, you know, usually once parents get into a new schedule and a new routine and that's consistent, the kids will kind of settle in and, and start to regulate into this new normal. Holidays will throw a wrench in that. Okay. Especially the first holiday. Um, we've always had the stockings a certain way, and now we don't. We've always done a certain kind of a trip, and now we don't. We've always and, – and with kids, those traditions are really important. Adults mm-hmm. too. Right. And so I usually tell parents I think it's wise to look at creating some new traditions, mm-hmm. not just modifying the old ones, not ditching them all together. There's still some things that we're right. still going to make you know, right. Christmas cookies for Santa, and we're still going right. to – Keep some that are cherished, but also add some new ones in so that it doesn't just feel like this one person is missing. You know what, though? We've done that as um, a family once I started working at the church. Yeah. Because we just couldn't do traditions the same way, um, especially when it came to eating and cooking on Christmas (laughs) Eve. And so randomly we started going to Chinese food buffet and it's become our new. I, I do believe that the spouses of my boys one day will not be happy of with me for this because that's what like that's we, Christmas Eve. That's Christmas Eve now. Yeah. Is a Chris my parents even now come join us. Like I think it sounds fantastic. It, it is fantastic. Yeah, I think I might come but join you too. I never would have thought that that would be something that would be our normal, right? But when life ch- changed, you adapt. Mhm. 
Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to me in a global perspective, mm-hmm. too. I think the the other thing that's really important to remember is that no matter how horrible, whatever horrible action your spouse has committed, however terrible your litigation gets, however mm-hmm. nasty the divorce is, this is still the parent of your child or children. Yeah. And your child or children are inherently connected to that person. And if your kiddo sees that person as inherently bad, then that means something about them too. Oh, that's well spoken. And so it's really crucial. One of the things we see the most in working with families going through divorce and post-divorce kinds of chaos is parents saying, oh, I would never say anything bad about my ex to my kids. I would never do that. But they do it all the time. And they do it in direct ways. They do it in passive ways. They do it in ways they, you know, nonverbal communication. Um, But it deeply impacts children, deeply, deeply impacts children. And I, I, you know, on the flip side of healthy co-parenting is, is, are those kinds of dynamics and how important it is for parents to remember to insulate their children from the adult conflict to any chance, any ability, any way that they can. And that that doesn't change. I've had so many parents say, well, when my kid's 18, I'm going to tell them everything. Right. And that stops me dead in my tracks every time. Um, I'm typically pretty understanding and I do the therapeutic nod, but when somebody says that, I about come out of my chair (laughs) because I don't care how old you are. I'm 42 years old almost, and I will always be my parents' kid. Right. And if something happened in my parents' marriage today, would I be curious about it? Sure. Would I want to be in the middle of it and know all about it and be my parents' sounding board? No No way. No, because I need to love my mom and I need to love my dad and I don't want to have to rethink through my relationship with them and the values they've taught me and what does that mean for me mm-hmm. and make me question those things. Right. And I, so I, I feel very strongly that regardless of however old your child is, whether they are 5 or 15 or 35, they need to be allowed to be your child, you and your spouse's child, and to be able to have the healthiest relationship possible with both of you mm-hmm. because that's what's in their best interest. Well, and I think, you know, weddings that I do, um, there's often a divorce situation. Sure. And so watching families navigate that well and what that does for the wedding day versus watching families navigate that poorly and what that does to the bride and the groom on the wedding day. And so I agree no matter what age they are that that's important. Yep. If we have a family friend that is going through a divorce, how do we tell our kids about the situation that their friends are going through in a healthy way? I think it is important to be open and communicate with your kids when there's anything going on in their world that could be potentially um, scary for them, uncomfortable for them, a new thing that they've never experienced before. Kids are always going to look to their parents for that that sense of security. And not talking about it feels really weird and can be crazy-making because right. there's this thing going on. Say it's my best friend's parents are going through a divorce and there's all this stuff, but nobody's talking to me about it. I don't – A, they're only going to be getting the piece of information that they're getting from probably their friend. Right. Which – may be upsetting and scary. Um, they may be scared to ask their mom and dad because they may be scared if I say something about it, Matt, would that happen to our family, right? Mm-hmm. It's very normal. Children are very egocentric. And mm-hmm. so if something happens around them, they often assume 
is that my fault? Um, is there something I can do about it? Or could that bad thing also happen to me? Yeah. And um, it's so it's really important for parents to be able to talk to their kids and to say, yep, you know what? This is what divorce is. Sometimes it happens. It's sad. It's an unfortunate thing. People don't plan to get divorced. Right. And when they're getting married and they're madly in love with each other, this was the farthest thing that they had ever, ever planned. And your friend may go through some sad times or have some extra feelings. They might be a little extra grouchy or a little extra sad or you might have them over a little more often just to kind of give them some space. And it's okay. And okay. and it would be normal for them to ask. My kids have asked and we've had people in our close circle that have gone through a divorce. Well, is that going to happen to you and daddy? Right. I'm a big believer in not making promises to children. Mm. I have zero plans of divorce in my future. Zero but I'm not going to promise my children something. Just like I promised my children that I would never die, right? right? Like I can't promise that. I can't promise that, you know, anything other than right this very minute. And so we, instead of making promises, we talk about what we do to be a healthy family. Okay. And that, you know, daddy and I love each other very much. And sometimes grownups have disagreements. And when we have disagreements, we talk about it. We let our feelings out and, you know, we continue to, to work on that and be healthy and that there are no plans and nothing in the current future that I can foresee that is of any concern to you at all about that. And if, if that ever happened to our family, we would talk about it. It wouldn't be a secret. We would discuss it. Right. But for now, that is nothing that you need to worry about. So I can promise them for now, for now, that is nothing you need to worry about. And if it ever does, if it ever becomes something, we will talk about it as a family. I like that. What are some strategies when the tension, especially I would say at the beginning, but I bet there would be triggers throughout. When tension is really high, how do you co-parent well? My best advice that I've told countless families for years, parents, is to treat each other like you treat the Starbucks barista. <laughs> you say hello. You say, hi, how are you? You tell them what you need. I need a triple venti, non-fat, whatever. You say, thank you. Have a nice day. Um. So you are kind, you are courteous, you are respectful, you are concise, you don't share deep, dark feelings, you don't get into a conflict, you don't go deep. You keep it simple and a need-to-know but polite way to do it. The other way we think about co-parenting is that it turns into kind of a business relationship hmm. and that it's the business – co-parenting is essentially the business of raising children okay, and coordinating schedules and coordinating extracurriculars and medical issues and, and educational decisions and whatever those things are – that if you if whether the tension is bad now or the tension continues to be, the other analogy I've used a lot is imagine yourself on a team in a work scenario and your team member is somebody you just can't stand. Right. You don't respect them. The sound of their voice grates on your every last nerve. <laughs> but yet you have a shared goal of this project you have to complete together. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out a way to accomplish this goal with this person that you have serious issues with. Right. And the way you do that is you isolate away the feelings as best you can and focus on the nuts and bolts and, and the very specific concrete things that have to be dealt with. And so that's how we can think about co-parenting when tensions continue to be high is less is more on communication, simple, concise, you know, polite, polite like kind, mm -hmm. and void of emotion. Because the minute we start throwing in a snarky, passive-aggressive comment, then the other person gets defensive, and then it becomes a thing. Right. And so if we can just keep it of, you know, little Johnny has a choir concert tonight, and it's my time to when it would be drop-off time, but your time at pickup time, how do you want to handle getting the 
backpack over to each other, you handle it in a very black and white way. Mm-hmm. And versus adding in, well, are you going to be late like last time or don't bring <laughs> your girlfriend or whatever, you right. know? Um, but that I think is pulling the emotion out of it and seeing it as this is a new relationship. And mm-hmm. the new relationship in the beginning when tensions are high is less is more, very simple, concise, business-like, professional communication. Okay. You use the word girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So what happens if when you start dating, you get remarried? How do you do that in a healthy way as co-parents? Like, does the other person really need to know? And then with your children? That's a really good question. And there's a lot of variables to that. <laughs> um, one variable would be, is your ex as healthy as you are? Okay. Right? So... You may be in a position to be moving on and and in a healthy new relationship and your ex is not going to be a fan of that because of their own pain and they're still hurting and they're not really Mm -hmm. ready to see you as somebody else or they're not able to filter and regulate their emotions in a way that's going to be healthy. The general, you know, framework and suggestion is that you do tell your ex before you introduce your kids to somebody Okay. Because it's going to go over better that way. <laughs> if you pick up the phone and say, hey, I know this is hard to hear or send an email or whatever. I know this is hard to hear, but I, I wanted you to know that I've been dating somebody. The other little caveat is that we typically recommend that you date somebody for at least six months before you introduce your children to them. Okay. When you're coming out of a divorce, it's not uncommon to, for many people, they haven't dated somebody in many, 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 many years. Yeah. and. The market is different and the way you approach relationships at an adult. Jenny, as like, I'm just thinking, I have zero plans for divorce. So, but my last date was in 1997. Yeah. Yeah. For real. That'd be rough. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it's not uncommon for people to date multiple people before they end up finding somebody that they actually are going to become involved in a serious relationship with. And your children your children should not be a part of that. If right. you are divorced, you likely have significant periods of time that you don't have possession of your children. That's when you date. You don't mm-hmm. bring them around your kids. You don't invite them to your kids' activities. You don't have play dates with your quote-unquote new friend and their kids. <laughs> your kids are smarter than that. Uh-huh. They pick up on it. Um, keep your kids out of it. Enjoy your time as an adult. Explore that option to the extent that it's healthy for you and beneficial. And when you've found somebody that it is serious enough for a moving forward kind of relationship, usually, like I said, the rule of thumb is usually six months. Mm -hmm. Tell your ex first as a courtesy, number one, and as a benefit to your children. Number one, it's a courtesy that you value this person enough to tell them. Number two, if you tell them ahead of time, it gives them time to process it. Right. And then when your child goes home to them... And says, oh, I met Mr. Such and Such that doesn't take that parent off guard. If that parent has never had this information before, in the moment, they will understandably have some kind of emotional reaction. And if that happens in front of your child, it can be very upsetting to your child. Right. And cause additional unnecessary confusion and feelings. So um, I do always really believe strongly that it should be tell the ex first Mm -hmm. and not bring that into the situation until you've been dating Minimum four, but six is typically the the rule of thumb um, time frame to okay. to do that. And and then when you when you do tell your kids, you know that can be hard for children too. It's hard right. for kids to see somebody else in the place of their other parent. Right. And so, you know, taking it slow, 
Um, one of the things I hear the most from kids is that their parent acts different when their new person is around. Um, their, tone of vo- their tone of voice is different. Are they right. dressed differently? Are they flirty? Or they don't talk to me as much because they're talking to him or her. Yeah, makes and, sense. Right. And so if I'm a divorced parent and I have some type of limited time with my child, a small fraction of that should involve involve this new person as well mm-hmm. when you start bringing them around. And make sure you have enough one-on-one time with your kids and then kind of take it at the pace that they're able to handle that when you start looking at having this person be around more often. Right. That's great advice. Well, let's sum up today by asking what we ask at the end of every podcast. If you could pick a parent, a child, or a teen, so you have to pick the age group first, what's one thing that you wish they knew about this topic? I would pick, gosh, I have things I would say to all three. Well, you want want to break the rules? mm, Oh, I'm a, I'm a rule follower like <laughs> through and through. I will say, how about I say one thing to kids and one thing to parents? Okay. Okay. For kids, I would say that right now it feels like the world is completely topsy-turvy mm-hmm. when you're going through a divorce. Yeah. And this too shall pass. And your mom and dad love you. And this isn't their best moment. But this it does not define them and it doesn't have to define you. And the importance of reaching out to other people who can be there to support you. When your parents are going through a tough time, they're going to sometimes be a little edgy and sometimes be (laughs) a little short-tempered and less patient. And it's important to ask for help. It's important to talk to people who can care for you and be there to love you and nurture you and give you good advice. Um, But this too shall pass. It feels very all-encompassing. Yeah. But this too shall pass. And, And that's important to remember. For parents, I cannot say it loud enough of the importance and the gift of insulating their children from all things adult conflict and divorce and to fake it till you make it. When you see your spouse and you want to wring their neck, you say hello with a big genuine smile on your face and tell them, you know, have a great evening and be kind. Your children are watching everything. It's not just what you say. They pick up on all those communications and interactions. And by when kids see their parents get along and be kind to each other, it is so therapeutic for them. And so they know, they pick up on it. And even when you think you're doing a good job, you could probably do a better one. We all could in <laughs> we all, all could. realms I'm of parenting. I'm thinking about like yeah. when I come home grumpy and, you know, right. Yeah, yeah we so all just, do that. I think it's important for parents to remember that they they see it all mm-hmm. and, and they don't deserve that. It That's wasn't true. their fault. That's true. Well, thank you so much. I hope that this topic today has brought some peace and comfort to the people that need to hear it. I hope so. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate all that you do to help lift, connect with others. Make sure and go like our Facebook page where we give information about our guests, upload our podcast each week. And I just want to say, remember, if you need anything or any of these podcasts, bring deeper questions. You can always reach out to me at St. Andrew. Look forward to connecting with you on our next episode.